to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself Each time a woman stands up for herself, without knowing it possibly, without claiming it, she stands up for all women. Maya Angelou. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice. Right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, a producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. I'm Ruhani Chopra, and we have an amazing show planned for today all about feminism. In segment two, we'll speak with our reporter, Rose Sarner, with her segment, Fight Share. And I'll wrap up the third segment. And right now, I'm going to be talking to Maggie. And hi, Maggie. I am so glad to have you on today. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. So like Ruhani said, hi, I'm Maggie. And today on my segment, The American Connection, I will be talking about feminism. As a feminist, I want to make sure that my feminism includes all people, which is where intersectionality comes into play. That's amazing. And in your opinion, what is intersectionality? So um, intersectionality is something that interests me a lot. Um, Intersectionality is a feminist theory coined by Professor Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989, and it states that there are many intersections in oppression, such as race, class, gender, or sexuality. It was originally a term used to discuss how Black women's identity was devalued as racism existed in the second wave feminist movement, and there was sexism in the civil rights movement. Movement. Now, though it still applies to Black women's identities, it is used to discuss oppression in many different scenarios, such as in the workforce, in the music industry, and in many and in many other social structures. Oh yeah, I actually have heard about that, and I think it's a very interesting topic to explore, yeah, especially yeah. today when it kind of feels like feminism has maybe been watered down to certain issues that yeah. don't feel as urgent as maybe like. Mm-hmm. other issues are especially for women of color yeah definitely I think that yeah that's like a huge thing kind of like how your feminism should really focus on how to like uplift and right. make really like society better for all women not just mm-hmm. like the women who look or are in the same experiences as you so and I'll talk about that a lot later in the segment but I, yeah I definitely agree with you and I love Kimberly Crenshaw so can you give me some more background about her So she is a Black lawyer and philosopher and an advocate for critical race theory. She coined the term intersectionality in a paper in the University of Chicago um, titled Demarginalizing the Intersection of Race and Sex. She is a professor at UCLA and Columbia, which I thought was really interesting. And she co-authored the book Say Her Name is a co-founder of the hashtag say her name movement. And that was a huge thing um, last year with all of the information surfacing on um, black lives matter protests. So that was like, she she, like co-founded that whole thing, which I I found really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, And she is a um, co-creator of the Columbia law, African-American policy forum. Her work has shaped critical race theory and intersectionality as we know it today. So yeah, she's a really interesting person to learn about. One quick Google search and you can find out so much cool information about her. 
and about intersectionality. And I just think that she's a great role model for women and young girls to really like just learn more about identity and race and gender and how you can really like help women. It's she's just such a cool person, honestly. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And I think intersectionality is so incredibly important, especially Mm -hmm. today when, you know, feminist movements becoming more widespread. It should really include like every woman, like you said, not just the ones that maybe look or, you know, have the same values as you should be like everyone. Yeah, I think it's important for all of us to be intersectional feminists. And could you give some, maybe like, give me some reasons why that we should, because obviously I am one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, a big thing (laughs) with intersectionality is recognizing your privilege and to try to help others who are less privileged than you. So as um, a white person, I have an immense amount of privilege compared to women of color. So trying to recognize my own and use that as a force for good to help uplift, encourage, and really, um, put women of color, like give them kind of like a platform and try to help like their, yeah, just kind of trying to use my privilege for the better. And like I said, that feminism should be for all women, not just white upper-class women or the women that you share experiences with. I think that making sure that you value all women and your feminism and in how you uplift women is so important. And realizing that everyone's situation is different and that we can't assume that two people that look similar or have similar characteristics may not be going through the same things. They may be facing oppression in different ways. So kind of like how intersectionality is less self-centered feminism in a way. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. And um, another example of like maybe intersectionality could be like more women of color activists. Which yes, I, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I think focusing on their voices are just as important as maybe focusing mm-hmm. on like Emma Watson's or yeah. Any other white feminists. Like, yeah, definitely. You know, so many amazing women of color who really advocate for their issues specifically. And mm-hmm. I like how you said that we can't assume that two people that look alike have like and have similar characteristics are going to the same thing because everyone's situation is different. That includes yeah. like, within cultures as well. Yeah. Um, I know that in certain cultures, like women, like the treatment of women is like different than maybe Mm -hmm. what we're used to. So adapting to that and trying to help women who are going through like cultural taboo, like for example, um, one is like periods. I know like in Southern Asia and East Asia, it's, it can, there's like a form of discrimination for it. So Mm. focusing on those type of issues is incredibly important. Yeah, I think um, I was reading an article about um, intersectionality, doing research on this. I think it was by um, Oxford Biz, uh, like, Trinity Mm -hmm. College at Oxford. Um, Of course, I'm forgetting it now. And it was talking about how um, basically the difference between um, two people in the same ethnic group that um, have the same sexual or gender identity and um, stuff like that, their experiences can be vastly different. Like how a a white queer woman and a black queer woman have very different experiences. And how if you come from an upper class um, black family and a lower class black family, your experience will be immensely different for yeah. like even women of color and men of color. Like you can't assume that just because people are in the same, like kind of, I think group is the wrong term. Demographic. Maybe. Yeah. Demographic. Yeah. Thank you. That like they experience the same things. And I think that that's something really important to focus on kind of like, um, not having a kind of stereotypes based off of anything like that and not kind of making assumptions on someone's standing in society, someone's like basically anything just based off of um, the kind of demographic that based off of the demographic that they're in. So that's really, I just thought that that was so interesting and that it was it just this it fascinates me really and I think that it's so important for everyone to learn about this and that's like really why I kind of wanted to do this segment so that I can like shed light on this no I totally agree and especially the part about like you know less uh self-centered feminism I think that's important and we're all you know learning as we go I know that Mm -hmm. 
years, my idea of feminism like has really changed a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, when I was first introduced to like the concept of feminism, it was very like kind of, it was when Hillary Clinton was running for president. So it was like really Mm. focusing on like Western, um, you know, Western feminism. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like the girl boss feminism, you say. Kind of. Like the only focusing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's more of just like kind of, I wouldn't really say watered down because there are some issues in the West that really do need to be addressed. Like we do have like the wage gap and we do have things, but at the same time, there are so many pressing issues. Yeah. I was was going to say later on, if you look at what's happening in like Afghanistan now with like women, like genuinely facing a humanitarian crisis, Mm. I think that you, I think that, um, as, people that live in the United States and that even though we have a host of issues in our society and, um, our government and just economic and like in the, um, in the workforce, I think that looking at kind of like looking at it from a global perspective is so important dealing with feminism. And like I said, not having your feminism center, like not only kind of caring about a woman, if she is, high in the workforce or if she is upper class even though it is so important to have female bosses and ceos i think looking at it from more of a global lens is something that's so important and something that should really be more kind of like should be more that should be much more of a widespread view for like all people it really is and i think one of the most you know prevalent issues probably is the fact that like around, you know, 130 million girls are like, they don't have access to education. So I feel like yeah. I've been very, you know, interested in like Malala Yousafzai since I was mm. pretty young. And I think she's like a good example of like a very intersectional feminist because yeah, she definitely. helped like girls in like Pakistan, but she, I remember her foundation like went to go help girls in Africa and like mm-hmm. other countries where women might not have as much educate like access to education as we do here. And yeah, a great example. Oh yeah, definitely. And there's so many more, I think that, but yeah, Malala is such a great example of really a feminist who cares so deeply about not just the people who are in the same demographic, not just the people who look like her, truly all women and all young girls around the world which I think is so important in um, pertaining to feminism. Yeah, she really is. And I feel like now more than ever, it's very important to, you know, address feminism. Kind of, I just remember like, you know, the laws in Texas going on now. I feel like that's one thing that just crossed my mind while we were talking. And it's like kind of insane to me that we're kind of living in like a Margaret Atwood novel. Uh, I didn't even... (laughs) realize like how uh you know how much this topic kind of coincides with America's situation right now mm-hmm. yeah and we just talked about how important intersectionality is but how else do you think it can benefit society other than what we just um discussed yeah um I said this before by recognizing the oppression that women of color face feminists can strive to have equal rights and societal standings for all people I think that, like I said before, what's happening in Afghanistan, helping women who are experiencing a humanitarian crisis and not just fighting for the women in the U.S., the women who look like us. And I think that as um, feminism will hopefully become more empathetic and more aware and a more like kind of equal belief per se. Like, really, I think intersectionality is such an important way to really fight for the equality for all women. Yeah. And I think that that's truly what feminism is, is equal rights for all. It and is. I think that it's important to truly fight for the equal rights for all. And I think that that's really the most important thing about intersectionality and how that can really benefit kind of society. Exactly. And, you know, as there's this, like, you know, attack on women's bodies going on, there's so much, like, discrimination. Like, I forgot which segment it was, but a few weeks ago, we had the segment, and we were discussing, like, medical racism, and it was, like, yeah. black men are, like, I forgot the exact number, but more likely to die during in, mm-hmm. during childbirth than 
yeah. white woman would. So it's like, that's where mm-hmm. the intersectionality comes if, from. If I may, if I may add on that, it was like, it, it was a genuine medical belief that black yeah. women didn't experience pain in the same way that white women did for years. Exactly. And that they had like a higher pain tolerance or something like that. Some completely just dismissive and really horrible belief. So I think that, and that has, and it happened pretty recently, or it was a belief until like pretty recently. And I'm sure that there are still remnants of that today, but yeah, that's exactly right. It's really scary, you know, like along Mm -hmm. with sexism, which is terrible. The fact that, you know, women have to face discrimination. There's probably more towards women of color, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think women of color are at the intersection of their, and really intersectionality. It started, like I said, it, women of color at the intersection of the racism in our society and the sexism. So I think that, like I said, there were there were racist people in the second wave feminist movement when Kimberly Crenshaw was an avid, or she still is. Yeah. But when she was really like, when she was talking about this and coining this term and there were sexist people in the civil rights movement. So I think that you combine the, like the racism, the classism, the sexism in our society. And that's really like where intersectionality comes into play. Exactly. And you know, besides Kimberly Crenshaw, do you have any other pioneers of intersectionality? Yeah, um, a big one is Patricia Collins. Mm-hmm. She is a sociologist, a professor, and an author. Her first book, Black Feminist Thought, highlights how upper-class white feminists don't realize the intersections of race, gender, and class, and feminism. I think she's another very um, interesting person to research, though I don't know as much about her as I do um, Kimberly Crenshaw. I still think that I do want to do a lot more research about her and she is such an interesting figure and an interesting person to really learn about. Yeah. Also, I think I have another one. Her name is Angela Davis and oh, she's quite yeah. famous. Yeah. She wrote mm-hmm. woman. What was it called? It's like women, women of race and class. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great, great read. And She's one of the most well-known intersectional feminists. Yeah. Really a pioneer. Yeah, I think that having, like, really strong intersectional, like, women and feminists to look up to for young girls and women is so important and to really learn from them and use the amount of intelligence and, like, the need and, like, um, to really, that they have and, like, to really like learn from them. I think that that's something like really important to do. Yeah. And it's so important to have like representation of strong female leaders. Yes, definitely. um, Just like white women, obviously who, yeah. Women in general, like it's great to see them in power Mm -hmm. or have a role in some, like some dominant role, but it's great to see like, I know like maybe we don't all agree with like Kamala Harris's policies, but it is nice to see like, you know, a woman of color who's at the forefront of, you know, our country right now. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that that's so important to really show young women and young girls. I remember watching the inauguration and crying because like that's the first time I've seen a woman like be there and I think it must have been so important for for um girls of color because like that must have been the first time that they've seen themselves represented on that like on that high of a scale in politics yeah and I think that that's so so important and though no politician will be perfect yeah and we've like seen that immensely I think even that representation was so important for women, women of color, girls, girls of color around the U.S. and truly probably around the world. It is amazing that, you know, we're at the point that women of color are able to get, you know, more able to become leaders of our country more than ever. And I think it's so important Mm -hmm. to support them, you know, in the coming years and I'm yeah. sure so many who are on the way to success. And one of them is, you know, the inaugural poet, Amanda Gorman. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. I, 
Wow. She is just, her way with words and with language is so beautiful. We had to do a project on her um, for school in social studies and take um, some of her poem, um, a part of her so inaugural cool. poem and turn it into an artwork. I still have mine. I think wow. it was that, um, <laughs> I think the quote was, we've learned that silence isn't always peace. And I thought that. Oh, I love that, that one. You should such... send me a picture of your yeah, project. Yeah, oh my gosh, of course. Yeah. yeah. But she is such a great positive role model a woman who truly can convey so much emotion through her way with words and how she speaks and really having that beauty through language. Yeah, and I love talking to you today, Maggie, but unfortunately yeah. we're out of time for this segment. I loved hearing your take on feminism and I totally agree with thank everything you, you said. Yeah. Thank you so much and during the break, make sure you check out our website, www.bethestarur.org. Keep listening for more as Rose and I will have a conversation in the next segment. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for having me. Bye. Thank you, Maggie. It was great having you. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. Hi, everyone. Our next segment is with Rose Sarner, our newest reporter with her segment, Fight Share. We'll be talking more about feminism. Hello, Rose. Hi. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm so excited to be back. Um, and welcome back to my segment, everyone, Fight Share, as a part of the Express Yourself radio broadcast, where I discuss the importance of urban food policy, nutrition, and food access in our world today. Some of you may not know this about me, but I go to an all-girls school, an all-girls school that encourages student leaders who are confident, ambitious, and joyful learners. Being at an all-girls school, I've gained confidence and have been challenged in my academic career. One of my favorite parts about an all my all-girls school education has been the sense of community I've built and leadership skills I've gained. At my school, I have access to a variety of leadership opportunities to explore my skills and interests. One of the final projects I did freshman year in my history class was called a service learning project. And in this project, each student spent time researching an issue they were passionate about, connected with an organization, and created a proposal to best make a long-term impact. And this project was a key factor that opened my eyes to the lack of nutritional education and healthy foods in the world today. Being at an all-girls school, I understand the value of my education and realize that not only many young girls, but a large amount of kids and families do not receive proper education like I have gotten. After collecting a variety of different information about food access and nutritional education, I immediately felt determined. I found out that many kids in my community have not received the proper access to healthy foods and nutritional education. Wow, um, that's so cool that you go to an all-girls school. I always thought that would be like so cool to go to. And I love what you said about how 
there's so many kids who, especially young girls who don't have that, you know, access to education. Me and Maggie were just like talking about, you know, like Malala who started this movement. And it's great to see that you're taking a stand, um, you know, to give more nutritional education to girls, you know, it's spectacular. Yes. I read Malala's book. Um, I think it was in sixth grade and I was just like, her story is incredible and it's just yeah. so fascinating to hear about it. It's really amazing. And she's right. You know, education really does, you know, open up a whole new generation of leaders, female leaders. Yes, of course. And I think knowledge, like I started saying, it's knowledge is just like the most powerful skill you can spread and tool you can share. It's really Yeah, amazing. exactly. And uh, do you have anything else about, you know, access to nutritional education? Yeah. So during my research, during this project, um, I found out from healthypeople.gov, which shows that the average distance from the U.S. households to the nearest supermarket was 2.19 miles, which, according to the study done by USDA's Economic Research Service, 11% of U.S. households are food insecure, meaning that many households are simply lacking access to food in general, which is just crazy to fathom because I have access to food like fresh food, like at school, um, when I'm just like driving to school, there's so many grocery stores that sell like seasonal produce. Um, but thinking about these people who are just food insecure and don't have access is simply, I don't even know how to put it. It's just a clear issue that we need to address. And, you know, um, I once did like work with this nonprofit, nonprofit, and it was like, you know, so many lower income girls, they don't go to school also because of like issues like lack of food because they have to go make it for their families, you know, like go, if they live in a village, they have to go all the way to like an urban area or, you know, grow it on their own. So the access to food is basically, you know, it's a segue to everything that we need, especially for young girls. Yes, for sure. And do you think it's like the physical distance from grocery stores that causes food insecurity or? Well, I think physical distance is a clear impediment to adequate access to food and one of the main issues that prevent many citizens from receiving healthy produce. Not only do people in low-income communities have, have to travel further to have any access to food, once they get to the store, the fresh and healthy food options are also extremely limited and in many cases non-existent. Unfortunately, the options available in low-income areas tend to be low in nutrient density and, in the long run, are not sustainable and do not contribute to one's long-term health. People in these neighborhoods and areas deserve access to a constant supply of fresh produce. produce. Easier access to healthy foods leads to healthier dietary practices and improves one's overall health. Not having healthier options at your disposal can make implementing healthy choices into your life unachievable. Wow, and that's so sad to hear about, but is there anything, you know, we can do to help improve the foods in those areas? Yes, of course. And researchers have found that low-income groups tend to rely on foods that are cheap and convenient to access but are low in nutrient Mm -hmm. dense. So I think that attracting and opening supermarkets in underserved and low-income neighborhoods and making it a priority that these supermarkets sell healthy foods at reduced prices and limit the total number of fast food restaurants in a community are the first steps in changing a food system. Exactly. And why do you think those supermarkets are there now? Is there like a specific reason behind that? I think that... You know, there's a such a large disparity between class levels, races yep. mm-hmm. in the world today. And I think that that has to do with a lot of the has to do a lot with the fact that there aren't supermarkets in low income areas. And I think those these areas are sometimes ignored. But in reality, they like make up these areas make up such a large amount of the population and right. they shouldn't really be ignored because having adequate access to nutrient-dense foods will affect your health long-term. And according to Healthline, eating whole nutritious foods are important because their unique substances work synergistically to create an effect that can't be replicated 
by taking a supplement. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like, you know, a lot of the times people, instead of, America really emphasizes, you know, once you get sick, you can get that care. But I really feel like we should be emphasizing, try to prevent getting sick in the first place, you know, with instead of, you know, getting like a supplement, like you said, it's important to just from a young age, try to emphasize to children that it's better to just take care of yourself and your body starting early on. Yes, I agree. And many professionals are actually beginning to acknowledge and advocate for food's lasting power. Um, The idea of food as medicine is not only an idea whose time has come, like we were discussing, Mm -hmm. Dr. Darush also said, a cardiologist and dean of the Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy at Tufts University. She also said it's an idea that's absolutely essential to our healthcare system. Yeah, exactly. Relating it back to what we were talking about, about feminism and being a feminist in a woman where a world in a world that often we're overlooked and think about it. If you're pregnant and living off of cheap food options because they're they were the only ones near your house and the healthier options are too expensive. How do you think this lifestyle is not only affecting your health, but it's currently affecting your child's health that's living inside you and then food is medicine, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And I think for pregnant women, especially, it's important for them to have, you know, a well-balanced diet, to have everything, all the access they need to medicine and food. Yes, I agree. So is there any scientists who have been exploring this idea of how important food is? Yes. Um, A woman by the name of Olivia Massa, who works at Movable Feasts, she creates menus that are medically appropriate to meet the needs of her clients using nutrition strategies and food to help combat, combat individuals' needs and fight diseases. She says that food is what nourishes our body and that can play a role in things like chronic diseases. Massa said, helping people understand that what you're putting into your body matters is one of her main goals. And her job at Movable Feast underlines another key idea to help improve the issue of food access in America. Right. This idea is national education, which we were talking about. Um, when you're at school, have you ever been told what foods will help you focus throughout the day or even give you brain power to crush that test or give an awesome presentation? Yeah. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think. I do remember in elementary school, they try to incorporate healthier foods into the lunches. And I think that was like something done by Michelle Obama or something like that. But I do remember that kids would never eat it simply because I feel from a young age, we're not really exposed to it. And also because the recipes are very bland, you know, and there's so much like variety you can do with healthy foods that we don't really try because it's maybe more expensive or maybe more time consuming. But I think it's worth to have worth it to have those benefits. Yes, definitely. And I think introducing those at a young age in school is really important. Um, Sydney Strymer, a fitness and wellness teacher, said, I didn't really learn much about nutrition from school other than the FDA's My Plate and the different food groups. But then as I got older through college, I started to realize how the effects of food made me feel. Strymer said, I realize that food can have a greater impact than just my body. I can be choosing things to eat to possibly enhance the world that we are living in. And I think it's one thing to provide people with food, and it's another to teach food literacy. Nutritional education, it's not a priority in the United States education system. You know, typically wellness programs focus on physical education rather than what is put inside our bodies, which have the more long-term effects. And I yeah, feel- I totally agree with that. And adding on to that, I feel if we just expose it from a young age, I feel like it's more ingrained in you. And I think it's so important because even learning it now, like let's say like if like I'm 16, it probably will have a harder time like trying to incorporate healthier foods. Like I'm trying to do that right now. And I feel like it's pretty difficult simply because like I was raised on more of like, whatever you want to eat diet. But I guess when you're older, you start realizing how important your body is, but I feel like children should learn it. Yes. 
We need to change the way people think, like you're saying, about food from a young age by teaching families how to eat properly with healthy ingredients, giving them tools and resources to do so. And I think this will truly change the way that other people live live their lives and will have countless effects on their physical health and internal health. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, is there anything else you have about feminism or about nutritional education? Yeah, so coming up this Monday on October 11th marks National International Day of the Girl. And as a student at an all-girls school and a board member of the GG Club at my school, which stands for Girls Empowering Girls, we have organized and planned a drive. Oh, wow. This drive um, sponsored by Girls Empowering Girls Club at my school, we've partnered with the nonprofit LIDE. And LIDE is an organization that helps young teens in Haiti feel empowered by providing these girls with art programs, academic support, and nutritional education like we're talking about that's so important. Mm -hmm. Wow, is that's incredible. So is that going to be in your area or is it going to be, or is like you have a drive where you live, right? Yeah, so it's actually, um, there are bins at my school right now where we're collecting toothbrushes, toothpaste, art supplies, and hygiene equipment to help support these girls in Haiti. Um, and the LIDE programs reach at risk girls age 11 to 21 who are out of school or significantly behind in age to grade. They live in a rural underserved community where the majority of the community is living in extreme poverty, have experienced trauma or live in chronic stress, live in situations of domestic labor, have or are currently suffering from abuse, are experiencing food insecurity or the effects of malnourishing nutrition and or have a disability. So they tackle a lot and they're such an incredible organization because they're all about empowering young women, which I think is such a prominent issue in the world today and needs to be addressed. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think it's so cool. I think your drive will really have like a tangible impact, which you'll be able to see with the program. So great job. I think your school's doing amazing. Thank you. And I think it's really important that they, these girls are given the opportunity to share their passion and express themselves through lives, yep. creative art programs, just like I do with my passion for nutrition and how everyone has a passion that allows them to express themselves. <laughs> yeah, I like the pun. And um, what would you suggest to other young girls who are like struggling to find their passion, like you just said? When people ask me, what are you interested in, or what is your main focus? I think it's really a difficult question because you're almost like, uh, I would just give a basic answer. But I would avoid the conversation normally because I did not have a specific focus that I wanted to like hone in on. Mm -hmm. Although as I began to try, began to try new activities and learn about topics that I do not have a typical class in my school, my eyes were open to a variety of interests. I always thought my answer to my passion had to be a subject in school or a unit we studied in English or history, mm -hmm. but that's not the case at all. I think it's sometimes a misconception. And exploring new activities that you would not necessarily participate in on a daily basis are those that lead to discovery. Now, this could even be the activity that your mom is forcing you to do. But <laughs> the point is, trying new things, even if you have this preconceived notion that it's not for you, is the big idea. And yeah. this process does take time. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's so important for young girls to feel empowered since we're young. We get involved in all these activities, even ones that might seem more male-dominated, male if that makes sense. I know yeah. that... In my high school, we have a speech and debate team, and for some reason, there weren't many any there weren't many girls on there, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, we didn't have that many girls, and 
uh, there was one of my friends, she started this thing where she would try to like recruit because she was like one of the captains to try to recruit more girls specifically. And I feel like it's so important to have, you know, diversity in terms of everything, but especially in terms of gender in these activities. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that can even be portrayed in the media starting right now, like gender roles are constantly switching. And that's so important to inspire the younger generation and seeing people who are challenging gender norms and gender gender stereotypes um, for young girls at home is really makes people understand that it is possible to do so and that there are people setting a bar and setting a guide for others. Yeah, I think there's always this kind of stigma around women who might focus on work more than they do on traditional family life, which is really upsetting because there's so many important women who are involved in these companies. I know um, my mother, she she worked for 20 years. She worked at um, a software company and it was like there's so many times she like deliberated with herself if she should quit or not because, you know, she had this family to take care of. But And she did like her job, but my dad never, he never even had to think about that. So I always wonder about that sometimes. And Obviously, like, if you don't love what you're doing, then you shouldn't do it. If you prefer taking care of your children and only want to focus on that, that's great, too. But if you also want to focus more on your work life, that's totally acceptable. and You shouldn't be judged for it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you're saying, setting an example and just leading and taking yeah. charge. I, over this, over two summers ago, actually, I worked for a Los Angeles City Councilwoman named Common. Oh, wow. And she was running for office and I worked on her youth team to spread her word and get her hopefully elected. And she did get elected, which was amazing because she defeated a male incumbent, which is a pretty big deal. And she ran and she her main focus was I didn't see I wanted to do this for so long. And this is just the moment I've had the courage to do so because there started to become more women in politics, especially. And so seeing people who are living the life and the jobs that she wanted to um, motivated her to do so. And she wanted to be that person for the younger generation. Wow, that is so cool that you got to be part of a campaign like that. That is incredible, especially for a female um, candidate. I feel like that's very important. And, you know, I did also get to vote, I mean, work for like a con- congressional candidate, but he, he, it was a male, but <laughs> he wasn't bad either. But in terms of, you know, more of like, uh, for women, I get to volunteer at this nonprofit that focuses on like victims of domestic violence, which usually are women. So, you know, you get to see a lot of their cases and it's very, very sad to see how, you know, traditional gender norms really influence the way they're treated. Yes, definitely. It's such a large issue in the world. And how would you think that these women are able to challenge the stereotypes? I think, you know, like uh, going back to my mom, you know, I feel like pursuing what they want to pursue instead of just what society tells them to do is one excellent example. I feel like right now that's so important because there's still stigma, there's still some aspects of taboo, but if you really want to change it, then you should defy, even though it can be really tough. I know it was probably tough for my mom because, you know, there's probably someone, you know, relatives maybe might have judged her for her decisions, but, you know, it's an example for me. And now I know what I want to do when I grow up. So that's one of the examples I can give. Yeah, that's amazing. And Thank you so much for coming on, Rose. I love talking to you today, and it made me learn so much about nutritional education, and great job with your drive. You're doing amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking to you. Thank you, and you've been listening to Express Yourself. Show your love for more segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity at www.btsya.org, and keep listening for more in segment three. Bye. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm your host, Ruhani, and today's show has been all about feminism and misogyny. And a fun fact about me is that I was born on March 8th, which is actually International Women's Day. So since I was a kid, my parents, they like to joke that I was such a feminist because of my birthday. And in fact, on my seventh birthday, when I discovered the importance of March 8th, I went to one of those um, hibachi restaurants where they cook in front of you and the chef was a woman and she did all these neat knife tricks and usually it was a guy who would cook in front of you like that and my grandma, she told me they specifically hired her for me and I was so happy. It's just a cute little story I wanted to share and I really like this topic that we've been talking about, you know, like we sat, we talked about in segment one, feminism is more about than just what a lot of the mainstream media has made it out to be. Real feminism is very intersectional and it focuses more than just on the Western demographic and it's designed to assist all women and that means no matter their race, their nationality, even if they're cisgender and real feminism wants to create a better life for future generations of girls. And a lot of people, you know, they want to make fun of feminists for these exaggerated stereotypes that they get angry at everything and just focus on hating men. But real feminism isn't about those things. It's not about hating and bashing men. It's about uplifting women to the point where we have the same rights and respect at every level, which we still don't have. You know, every level, they mean, that means local, national, and global. And we have made some wonderful advances in the past century, but it's still not enough. Like I mentioned in segment one, 132 million girls are out of school with no access to education. And this troubling statistic was like reintroduced to me in my um, human geography class. There's really no doubt that women throughout the globe suffer at a much larger scale than men. And from like sex selective abortions to female genital mutilation, there are many cultural practices that discriminate against women. You know, example I can think of are like period huts in India and like other uh, Southern Asian countries. It's where like women, they travel all the way to like a secluded hut when they're on their period. And a lot of them end up dying because there's so much danger in those areas, like snake bites and other terrible things. And it's really important to think about the, suffer- the suffering that every woman goes through. And But that doesn't mean we're totally protected in the West. You know, our bodies are still under attack. And a bill that was passed in 1973 is threatening to be overturned in several states. And preventing the full control a woman is supposed to have on her body. And... During these troubling times, it's so, so important to uplift women and broadcast every woman's voice. 
No one should be left in the, behind. So in the future, every girl can have a right to education and no woman is forced to conceive a child, which is, seems like what our country wants to do right now. And here are some feminists and their work I would like to recommend. So Maya Angelou, whose quote I read in the beginning, she's a poet and the author of Why the Caged Bird Sings. It's a beautiful, beautiful autobiography, and her works primarily focus on her experience as a Black woman. And we've mentioned her throughout the show, Malala. I feel like she's a great girl to introduce to younger children, especially because her biography um, is very, can be very inspiring for younger people. I mean, it's inspiring for everyone, but I remember reading it when I was like nine or 10 and felt very empowered. And since she was 11, Malala has been fighting for a girl's right to education after the Taliban took over Pakistan, which unfortunately is still relevant because of what's going on in Afghanistan. And also, which I also mentioned her in segment one, Angela Davis, she's an activist and an author. She is most well known for her role in the civil rights movement and her book, Woman, Race and Class focuses on the importance of intersectional feminism. So if you're interested, I really recommend checking that out and trying to educate yourself more about feminism. And we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Empower, Empowerment Crew, especially our audio engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world. And a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about the Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarur.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. Make sure you empower women and be a feminist. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine. Between